What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you this week. I had on the show one of the premier 83 KG lifters in the USAPL, Delaney Wallace. Uh, Delaney is legit a perennial top five lifter right now. I believe he's ranked number one in the world currently, and based on his 790 KG total he put up at the Arnold, he would be in the top three uh, in the USAPL from last year's numbers as well. Uh, he is a terrific lifter and we had a really really good conversation um uh right off the bat spoke to him about if he feels that he's underrated if he cares if he has that label as being overlooked and we also discussed uh what factors went into a successful meet at the arnold he also had a really good meet at nationals um that's that's another you know evidence that possibly just overlooked a lot uh in powerlifting right now uh, how he got into his start of lifting, what he's been doing during the quarantine, uh, talk about his athletic background in football, how that leads to his competitive edge. We talk a lot about just being a competitor in the sports, uh, things he would change about powerlifting, and we also do uh, word association. So really great interview with Delaney Wallace. But before we get into the interview, I want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftlarbros.com and get yourself some apparel. You guys know I like my baseball teams. It is summer. It is getting hot. I should. I advise you guys to buy some tank tops. Also, home gyms are still going strong. Get yourself some gym banners. I just got a two white lights gym banner that they made for me. Possibly a giveaway going to happen because I got two of them based on just some shipping, lost in mail stuff. So I might get a giveaway going for two white lights uh, soon. And, you know, it might be a little too hot for beanies. Get yourself a dad hat. Beanie season is almost over for me. I'm going to dad hats. Get yourself some of their apparel and use promo code 2WL10 to do so. You will not regret it. I love the collections that they have. I love everything that they th- that they have. And you can get yourself some as well if you use that promo code 2WL10 and save 10% off of your order. Also, go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some supplements. Protein, branched amino acids, pre-workout, creatine, you name it. Rivalist has got it. Go to Rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO20 and get 20% off of your order, saving more money. Also, if you are looking for some gear... Stoic Equipment is my preferred choice of powerlifting gear. I love their knee sleeves, I love their wrist wraps, and I like their singlets. Go to Stoic and get yourself some merchandise, get yourself some gear. Use promo code ANGELO10 for that. Finally got a discount code, and I am happy about that. And also, considering you made it through the ad reads and the introduction of the show, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, subscribe, we need those numbers to go up in order for me to improve the show. That's what we need. Also, we're available on Spotify as well. Hit that follow button. We did not get that like $100 million contract that Joe Rogan got. So we're available on two platforms, making it easy for everyone. And without further ado, no matter what platform you listen to, here is Two White Lights. And 
And as promised, I got with me via Zoom meeting, 83kg lifter, took first place in the A7 Pro Raw Challenge at the Arnold. I know that because he beat me. It is Delaney Wallace. How are you, man? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Great. And I am recording outside right now because it is a beautiful 80-degree day in Chicago, and someone just fired a firework right when he did that so so it's like a you got the best introduction in twilight's history yeah i guess i get lucky that way yeah yeah so i gotta ask this right off the bat because you've bought you've been bought up on the show before because i know my competition um i'm a i obviously love the sport and i recognize the great lifters in the sport do you feel like occasionally you are overlooked or underrated in not only the 83 kg division in powerlifting, but also just the sport in general. Um, I mean, I guess in my own way, I think that a lot of times people like overlook just because they don't know me, which I'm, which makes sense. Like I don't, it's not like I post a lot on like my Instagram or anything like that. Um, so it's not like I'm constantly in front of people's faces. Um, I'm not known for any particular lift, like you know, like Russ best squatter in the world, like best 83 kg lifter, like best squatter in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Show best pincher in the world, like yourself, best deadlift. Like I don't have that, you know, that thing. I'm just technically sound. So there's nothing to really, I guess, wow and get people's attention. So I kind of just, you know, sneak in under the radar and just, you know, catch people by surprise. So, I mean, I, I definitely think I'm underrated. Um, I think I know the reasons why, but I, you know, I think it plays out in my favor and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll, you know, change that soon. Yeah, uh, the the reason why I bring it up, underrated is thrown around in sports, not even powerlifting, just sports so often that a lot of times it's just occasionally not correct. It's a bad label to put on someone, either overrated or underrated. But in your case, I would consider you pretty underrated. Going into the Arnold, people were talking about the competition between, you know, or the people in the 83 kg division who are going to be there. First one pre- person they mentioned, Jamar. Second one, Candido. You know, Carson Allen was thrown in the mix. Uh, Sean Collins didn't compete, but he's a great 83 too. And then I was like, ooh, Delaney. You guys aren't mentioning Delaney. Delaney is a guy you guys got. He's going to be a problem. And I said it on the show prior to the Arnold. I said, Delaney's going to be a problem. <laughs> I said oh, it to wow. my... I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> I, said it, I said it to my coach beforehand. I'm like... Hey, because he's like, dude, you get to go head to head against Candido. It's like it's gonna be between you and him. I'm like, like Delaney's a problem. He had a really good performance at nationals. You took top ten, sixth, right, at nationals? Yeah, I, I tied for fifth, and I uh, lost on body weight, so technically sixth. So, so I had the same exact total. Oh, okay. Fifth place guy, but he was like point oh two kilos less than me in body weight. So technically, based on body weight, he you know edged me up for fifth. Yeah, and that's where I got light of you was at nationals because we were in this, we were not in the prime time session. I got to see you lift. I'm like, holy shit, that guy is strong. He knows exactly what he's doing. Coach under Joey Flex, it's always going to turn heads. Uh, one of the more popular coaches in the USAPL. But even after that, you know, you're a guy breaking into the top ten in the regular session, and people still aren't talking about you. And it's the the term over or underrated is brought up a lot. Um, you know, fucking all the 74s say that they're underrated. Or, uh, not to self-deprecate, people say I'm underrated. I'm like, I think I'm perfectly rated. I, like, I think you guys are perfectly rating me. Cause I, but, like, yours, and then you total 790 at the Arnold. 
you're on the brink of an 800 kg total and you know possibly more than that that could really get you in the top two or three range it's going to take a lot to beat russ but of course to, top two or three range so i think that's like a legitimate a legitimate label is being underrated yeah i, I mean i think it comes down to circumstances right mm-hmm. um like i've only done three usapl meets mm-hmm. right the Arnold's being my third um and then the meet that qualified me for nationals, I was hurt for. So I barely qualified, right? So like going into nationals, nobody knew who I was because according to them, I only squatted 500 pounds, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like, I, I blew out my like hip flexor like three weeks out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, And then, you know, even though placing in like the top 10 out of nationals, you know, only the top five actually podium and nobody sees anybody that's not in prime time. Right? Yeah. So I think I was able to kind of skirt underneath. And it's funny because I work with Alberto and uh, we were actually talking about it going into the Arnolds. We we're like, hey, like nobody knows who you are. And that's and that's such a good place to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we, like, we went over all the reasons why and like we knew kind of what's going on. It's just like stay focused, stay the course and, you know, don't get caught up in the hype just before, you know. Yeah. So then I got to ask, do you really care about a label of being overlooked? Um. I really don't think it matters to me, mm-hmm. to be honest, whether or not you like see me or not, because once we get on the platform, you're either going to pay attention or you're not, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that's also part of the reason why I don't really post that often, because I really don't care about being known as, you know, this guy or that guy, or, you know, placing first, second, third at whatever me, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, I just want to, I just want to win. Mm-hmm. I just want to battle. I just want to, you know, be the best lifter that I can be. Um, and I think that it puts me in a position where I, I no longer have to, I no longer have to, like, overstep my boundaries to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. And I see that so often in powerlifting in general. Like, people, like, will go overshoot and go for maxes because they saw somebody else did it and they want to stay relevant. And me, I'm like, okay, I'm RPE6 today. I'm mm-hmm. staying in, right? I don't have to go up. I don't have to prove anything to you. Um yeah, I th- it puts me in a very interesting position where I no longer have to do things for clout or for recognition. Yeah. Just hammer away, hammer away, and then I PR on the platform. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest saying. It's like, y'all can go for gym PRs all day, um, but I-, I always PR on the platform. And so, you know, I think that's what helps me out a lot. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it is interesting what gets people noticed in, you know, powerlifting because af- cause after the meet, uh, for nationals, you know, you have this terrific performance and still flying under the radar. And me, on the other hand, my followers seriously went up 500 because I was a meme, you know, right after the right after the meet. I was a literal meme. I, you know, me jumping on a platform, the stupid me dropping my last deadlift became a meme. And I'm like, yeah. that's like that apparently is more important than actual good performances in this sport. So. Um, maybe it's a good thing because you hit all your lifts and you don't <laughs> you don't become a meme as a result of it. But uh, <laughs> I did miss my last deadlift on national too, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't as I guess uh, entertaining as yours. <laughs> Which I didn't think it was entertaining until people took the still frames of it. I'm like, yeah, I guess uh, I look pretty goofy dropping a 700 pound deadlift. Uh, I, I would imagine most people would, but yeah, it's it's and even after the Arnold, and I have to tell you this story too because. This kind of affects both of us, and I thought it was a really funny story. So after the Arnold, you know, I'm on Instagram, and I forgot what prompted this response from one of my followers. But 
keep it was something about the top 10 rankings in 83 um and he said something like uh he's a he's coached by david sheldon who's a great lifter great 83 uh kg competitor he's top 10 and he's like i think uh i think i think my coach david could jump into the top five and possibly the top three this next year I'm like oh yeah he's a beast i'm like i, I could definitely see that man he's young he's light I'm like i could totally see that he's like and he said this to me he's like yeah so i think top three is gonna be russ noriega david and then jamar and if deuce comes deuce so he's like hey man don't worry he's like i think you could get on jamar's level or you could get on those guys level soon and i looked and i like looking at this thing i'm like i outtotaled Jamar recently, like at the Arnold, and then I told him like, okay, so I think I'm, I would say Jamar had a uh, a subpar meet, and he could beat me on any given day. It's not we're very close as far as our totals. Then I looked, I'm like, and you just didn't even mention Delaney Wallace, and he's like, who's that? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> if you're gonna give me the ranking rankings right now for 83, you gotta know the top five guys at least, and Delaney with your 790 total would have got second at Ron if you would have put that into 2009. So even after a great performance, people are just like, they don't know unless they're a closely associated with that person or they're popular on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also like, it's, it's so funny how it all turned out. It's like the Arnold's cause uh, Alberto and I, like, right. We were talking about it. It's like, yeah, the Arnold's is where like, Hey, like we're really going to make a statement. Right. And then the Arnold's turns into like the ghost town showdown, mm-hmm. Corona and everything. And so like, People were still watching online, but it's not the same as having, you know, thousands and thousands of people in person. Yeah. So, again, I think it was just another opportunity to kind of slide under the radar. Like, we put, we put up the numbers, right, but people were paying attention, but not all of them, mm-hmm. right? It's because the Arnold's wasn't what the Arnold's typically is from, like, a physical standpoint of people being there. And I think even so, you know, it, it's easy to kind of slide through the cracks and, you know... I just show up, I do my three lifts, and then I walk up the platform. There's nothing, there's no, nothing really need me for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, and I just, it's like, man, what do you need to do in the sport to get some recognition? Because that was, that was one of the more eye-opening moments was somebody DMing me about the rankings. And of course I took it a little personally because he said, I'm not at their level yet. I'm like, I thought I did good recently, you know? <laughs> and then it's like, you're, broke a world record, so. and, and it's like, and you're not even mentioning the guy who won by a considerable margin. You know, I, I went nine for nine, had this great meet, very proud, and then, and, you know, people were complimenting me, and they assumed I won. I'm like, no, actually, Delaney beat me, you beat me considerably, 15 keys. So that's that's a pretty solid victory right there, and also a nine for nine meet. The 83s on our on our day showed up. We all had nine for nine. The top three guys had nine for nine days. I'm very excited for Candido, technically a nine for nine day. He just forgot about his opener he just didn't take it oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but it's it's a true it's an like i counted it an eight for eight day but uh yeah we the, the 83s that day definitely showed up i was really happy to see that so uh meets coming up are you looking to get them try your to your best of your capabilities to get a meet in before nationals or what's what's the goal uh, going forward i mean definitely not doing a meet before nationals mm-hmm. I'm, you know just try to train stay consistent do what i gotta do um i, I don't really see the need to do another meet mm-hmm. uh, especially since i was able to get the arnold's in there so it's not like i'm not really tuned and ready to go yeah from a competing standpoint 
typically people we compete twice or three times a year. So yeah. I got my um, you know, nationals is a coin flip considering, you know, large gatherings, Corona, all this other stuff, um, whether or not it makes sense, work, all that. Um, but, you know, if I was to do a meet this year, it would probably be raw nationals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would be, you know, what I'm, you know, aiming to try to put the best, you know, performance that I possibly can put together and just be a technician of the technician of the sport. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. Cause you wouldn't really need to take another meet because it looks like you got prime time pretty much locked up. I think 790 will guarantee you prime time slot. Um, but so say if you do raw nationals, which it is going to be a coin flip for a lot of lifters and just, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I probably shouldn't make any predictions. I said on my last show with Evan that uh, IPF Worlds looks like it's a go. And then the day after I said that, they canceled it. So I probably shouldn't say anything so I don't jinx something. But from the looks of it, Raw Nats looks pretty solid. Um, what would be your goals going into that meet? Because, again, like I said, very good possibility of placing in that top three. Um, I think the main goal is, you know, come in and, and really take a podium spot, get that top three realm, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you, you always want to say you want to get go for first, right? That's always, like, my first thing. But also, just speaking from a realistic standpoint, you know, I'm nowhere close to catching up to Russ, who's the number one in the world, unless he does something extremely foolish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really think, like, trying to sneak up and get, like, a two or three spot would be my main objective for this year um, and just put myself in, like, the best position to just continue to build on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Total-wise, it'd be cool to see that 800 KD um, or, you know, a 10 times body weight to total, um, but... You know, I, I think at the end of the day, like, the total really doesn't matter to me. Uh, I just want to win by any, by any means necessary, right? So I think second or third, um, really second, um, would be, you know, the ideal spot to try to creep up on and, and take something. Yeah, I think uh, the competition is going to be, if you really want to look at the, the good part of the competition 83s, you're going to have to look past that one spot. That's just kind yeah. of what has to happen. But I think... It, it would be really exciting, so hopefully you can get there because I think two through five or six will be a nice battle. And depending on who shows up, too, because uh, people forget about Deuce Gruden. He's up there in the 83s. He's a perennial top five guy no matter what, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, coaching. I've never even heard of him, so. Deuce, Deuce Gruden is the son of John Gruden. So, he, so he, 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 uh, John Gruden, uh, if you guys don't know, he's a coach of the Oakland Raiders, head coach of the Oakland Raiders, and Deuce Gruden's like the strength and conditioning guy. So he has to work during the season, and oh, wow. October is football season, that's when Raw Nationals is. I talked to him uh, recently, hopefully I can get him on the sh- show one day, but uh, I talked to him recently and he's like, with the football season, it's almost impossible doing Raw Nationals. If, the, if I could go, and if it was at a different season, I would go immediately, but he's like, I just... Yeah. He can't make the travel during the football season. So he's, and he does, I don't think he flies under the radar because he's the son of John Gruden. So immediately there's a spotlight on him. Also a top five lifter, but he doesn't go to nationals. So that would, you know, upset the curve a little bit. And then with Jamar, I'm going to have to put myself in there too. I think that two through five range is going to be really competitive to see. Yeah. It's it's just going to come down to who doesn't miss. Yeah. And then mistakes um which is you know something i pride myself in trying not to do yeah and that's like the for me like the truest form of like powerlifting competitions is 
having someone go like five for nine in the meet and still take number one really means there's not a whole lot of competition because that person is head and shoulders above the rest. But from that two to five or two to six range, it will, if one of us goes eight for nine, that's still a good meet, but we might just drop ourselves two or three slots. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty awesome uh, to, you know, compete against like that, that talent field. Also, um, and you know, you have a great meet in the Arnold springboard new internationals. How, so what got you to the success of Arnold? Uh, what was that training prep like for you to have that much success? Um, I think it was, I think for the most part, a lot of it was there, right? So playing football, um, you know, you've, you've been lifting. So it wasn't like I just like started powerlifting a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like my numbers just kind of came to the roof. Like I had a decent base. Like I kind of knew how to move weight. Um, obviously form technique and depth and all the other stuff had to be adjusted. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, um, was one, uh, when I finally did link up with Joey flex about what I think it's a year now, I think it's officially been a year now. Fun fact, I'm the worst power lifter in the world when it comes to knowing people. Cause I didn't know who Joey was two months before I started working. <laughs> I just happened to, um, a friend of mine, Zach, who was one of like Joey's first clients, happened to be friends with my old older coach and you know they were telling me about it and you know I made that transition they're like hey like you could be good but he's gonna be the one that's gonna have to take you there like I can't do it we're just making up stuff you know mm-hmm. um so I think the the biggest thing for me was one linking up with Joey and having a very consistent regimen of like what it is I need to do and having like a, a reason behind everything that I was doing um but even more so than that when I started working with Alberto on my nutrition is when things really just changed for me. Um, I think the biggest reason why I got hurt going into the qualifying um, meet to qualify for nationals last year was because I was literally eating like 70 grams of protein a day, but I just didn't know. I was just stuffing my face with like chips and like donuts and shit. Like I just went, I I didn't care. Right. I was used to playing football. We got to do whatever we wanted. Um, and then I started like paying attention to my nutrition and I found out that like I started recovering a whole lot better. Like I was starting to put together consistent days. Like there would be one day, like I could hit 550 on the spot. And then the next day, like I couldn't even do 445 just cause I just couldn't recover. Um, and then I just started putting together consistent days, putting together consistent days. And I think those things combined from a training standpoint, helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, from the football aspect, everybody says like, "Hey, people that play football, like y'all have an unfair advantage because y'all been lifting that base." That, like that's not really the key. The key is learning to play under lights and pressure. Because like me, like I like to watch the people around me, and I just see people making so many mistakes on game day that it's like you're not supposed to make. Mm-hmm. You know, you miss one lift, okay, fine. You miss two, three, four, like now you, you there's something wrong with how you're fundamentally doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then they walk back. It's like, oh, like, all the nationals, the light was in my eyes. Like, oh, the floor is slippery. Oh, the deadlift bar, this. And, and so I think, like, that was the biggest thing that helped me when it came to nationals as well as it came to the Arnolds, where it's like, two different environments. Like, nationals, everybody's yelling, screaming, big crowd. It gets to people's heads, right? Mm-hmm. And the Arnolds, which was unexpectedly not quiet, but, like, not as big of a crowd. And so people that were used to feeding off of that energy – couldn't feed off of anybody's energy. They had to bring it internally. Like I'm used to just drowning everything out mm-hmm. and 
in silence. Like even when I'm at the gym, like I'll be dancing, jumping around, doing whatever. And then I get out of the bar and I'm in silence. Like there's no yelling, there's no screaming, there's no hype. It's just form. Um, and so because I'm able to really do that in every single aspect of lifting, whether it be in a hype competition, whether it be in the gym, whether it be in a competition where nobody's watching me, and I can just put myself in that mind state, I think the combination of, you know, Joey, Alberto, mind state, um, you know, really, you know, really helped me out. And I think that that was really like the three biggest key factors to putting me in a good position to perform. Yeah, it's interesting you met, I because I didn't even know you worked with Alberto. Uh, Alberto was seriously like one of the first people I've watched going into fitness uh, with, you're talking about 3DMJ, right, Alberto? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm like, maybe you're talking about another Alberto I didn't know. But, um, yeah, I, that was seriously one of the first people that I, like, got onto because I didn't really start fitness as a powerlifter. I just started fitness for fitness, for the sake of fitness. Um, and I, if anyone is curious about nutrition or, you know, effective nutritional practices in order to help performance and, you know, uh, body composition as well, Check out 3DMJ. Like, I was so lucky that was my first thing I watched on. There's tons of bullshit information on YouTube. Yeah. And I got so lucky to get three him and Eric Helms and Lane Norton. He's not part of 3DMJ, but, like, those are the guys I watch. And, yes, that does make a massive difference in powerlifting is when someone takes control of your nutrition. Uh, might be the first person to really, like, bring up nutrition as the key factor going into a meet, which is... It, it was just because, like, I, I felt the difference. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm not the kind of person that, like, oh, like, you know, I, I, I take a pre-workout and all of a sudden I feel different. Like, I don't take pre-workout. Like, I don't really do, like, protein shakes and supplements and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I, just, I, I tried it once. I don't really feel it. I'm like, this is a waste of money. Throw it away. But when, you know... The first couple, of weeks, the first week that I started working with Alberto, he just said, track your food. And like, you know, I saw where my proteins were at, where my carbs were at, where my fats were at. And then three weeks later, when we were kind of consistently doing things in a manner that he thought was optimal for me, like me starting to put consistent training days together, that's what sealed it for me. Like I wasn't having nagging pain in my hip. Like, I was recovering. I felt good. I felt strong. I was leaner. Um, and, like, everything else, I was already kind of doing. Like, I was already working with Joey. He was giving me a program, right? Um, you know, with regards to, like, my mindset, like, I was already, like, I don't need to be in part of the hype. I just need to do what I'm supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, we're in the gym and you got, like, your gym buddy over there who's, like, you're kind of competing with. And so you kind of want to show him up. But, like, I, I never get drawn into all that. I just do what I have to do and I get out. Um, and once I added that nutrition piece to my training, I, I literally felt different. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, like, I, I love Alberto. Like, you know, so, like, anybody that says, says anything about nutrition about it, I'm just like, yo, go talk to Alberto. Like, tell, tell him to leave since you, like, that, that's my guy. Because, you know, like, it got to a point where... <laughs> Past the nutrition side of it, he's such a great person himself mm -hmm. that, like, it got to the point that, like, I would get his email back, like, talking about my training block, and he'll give me a voice recording. And regardless of what I was doing, like, I would just shut everything down and not just, like, I got to listen to Alberto. Like, you know, so, like, I would get excited to hear what he had to say next because mm -hmm. I just knew that it was, one, it was uplifting. Like, you get off his phone, like, the phone call of the, you know, the voice message and, you know, you always feel like, okay, like, I can do this. I can keep on going forward, even though I'm going through a cut and this sucks. 
And then it's always just the wealth of knowledge and how he breaks everything down and complicated things he makes very simple. So then you can just perform and deploy it to actually making it useful. It's, it's probably the number one factor that allowed me to start progressing Mm -hmm. uh, and not just kind of staying stagnant. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious, is that the reason why you have a nutrition coach for also your weight cut? along with it, like how to properly weight cut up to a meet, or is it just, this is how you should be eating if you are training for an athletic competition? Um, I mean, it definitely helps with the weight cut. It makes it very simple. I mean, even before I started working out with Alberto, I never really had trouble cutting. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It's not like I was really ever cutting from like super deep anyway, but, um, you know, I was definitely doing it differently. Like I actually cut calories opposed to cutting water now I do now. Um, but I, I never really saw a big strength variance when I was cutting or not. Um, but I, again, I think the biggest thing for me personally was just the ongoing support and the adjustments that I could make throughout training that, you know, we, we bump up certain things, you know, at certain blocks and we know that we're going to hold water during certain, certain areas where we're doing more volume and then all of a sudden it's going to come back down, but we might be able to increase food. And now we're feeling even more optimal. And then we're getting to, you know, the cutting portion of things. And while some people might be cutting from 200 pounds, you know, or be cutting from deep and they have to cut calories to do whatever, I'm still eating good all the way up until mm-hmm. meat. Like going into Raw Nationals last year, I went to my coworker's wedding and I picked out on food because we did so much preparation beforehand. I could be five days out from a meat and have a pig out. Mm-hmm. So like, that's how efficient we were. Um, when it came to the nutrition, that it just made everything else easy. Like it, it's really just plug and play for me. Like, I just listen to Alberto, I listen to Joey, and you know, just you know, show up on game day. And yeah, this might be like the most in-depth conversation we've had on Two by Lights about nutrition because I think it is something that does get overlooked. Because I, I mean, I'm, I will probably be the first one to say that I don't know if I overlook nutrition because I'm at a point where I'm gaining up to the 83 kg weight class. Uh, so. You know, the, we have a lot of variables to play with, but someone breaking it down, how it affects their performance, it's not really talked about too much on this podcast and just in the circles that I converse in, in powerlifting. It's mm-hmm. mostly programming, eat, eat where you have enough energy and, you know, and make sure you're hydrating yourself and have a really kick-ass training session. That's really how it yeah. is. And, um, consulting, uh, that could be a game changer for a lot of people. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely think it's overlooked. Um, and again, I think, like, going back to your earlier question, is like, why do you think I had a good meet at Nationals or at the Arnolds? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes down to looking at details that other people don't. Yeah. Like, again, like, I'm not a specialist in any lift, right? You're not going to look at me and be like, oh, my God, his squat is phenomenal. His deadlift is off the charts. His bench is amazing. But, like, I'll be consistent everywhere. Mm-hmm. And where somebody might lack off... I, I just feel like everything bleeds over, yeah. right? So if you're sloppy with your nutrition, you might be sloppy somewhere in your technique when it comes to bench squat or deadlift, right? You might be sloppy in the way that you approach a meet. You might be sloppy in the way that you set up to address the bar. Like if if you watch me in training and you watch me on meet day, every single thing I do is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. From the deadlift setup to the bench to the squat, like, it's not a show. It's not it, – every single thing is the same that I don't think about anything else but breathe squat, breathe bench, 
breathe, pull. Right? And I, I think that's what makes it so much easier. Um, and I think that's what helps me out because that allows me to then say, hey, I can be efficient on game day. Not like nine for nine is always the goal. So if I'm in a battle with somebody, if they miss, I will beat them because I won't. Yeah. And I think that's like that's what I pride myself on. If you know, even when it comes down to like if I do go to Raw Nationals and it comes down to like trying to fight for a second or third spot, I promise you, if you look on IG, I I bet you whoever you know I'm fighting with is stronger than me. On on like on their best day, they'll be stronger than me, but I won't miss. And I think like that's what I pride myself. Yeah, and uh, our, our previous episode with uh, Aston Roscoe, we talk about, you know, mindset going into training, and a lot of the top competitors say the same thing. They treat their training days like competition. And what happens is, and it's like a little example of, you know, if you're not approaching the same way you approach training to the competition, you're going to have a sloppy meet or have a sloppy lift. And see this a lot where... I see someone like, okay, your depth is iffy and constantly talk about your depth is iffy. It's inconsistent. It's sometimes it's high. Sometimes it's a little bit too low. You're not really consistently doing something. And it's always like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, they'll keep doing the same thing. And then meet day, it's a toss up on what you're going to, are you going to get your, are you going to get squat depth or you aren't going to get squat depth? Like you're not, I, I, if you could just, Put every lift that you do in the gym like it's your third attempt. I promise you to get better at the sport. Think about like, okay, I'm on a platform right now. You don't have to be ultra serious about things, you know. But once once you're squatting, it's like, okay, make sure you're getting competition depth. And if you see on film you're not getting competition depth, change things. Be quick to address those problems. I see a lot of people putting it off, and then Amite, look what happens. It's a it's a definite snapshot uh, a snapshot of your, your training cycle. So yeah, a lot, uh, most high competitor high level competitors say the same thing. Train yeah. like you're in competition circumstances always. Yeah, I like I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know I think <clears throat> like I when it comes to like squat for example, I err on the side of caution. Like when I train, like I usually go a little bit too low. Mm-hmm to the point that's like when it comes to meet day and I have my PR on my back like when I did the 645 at the Arnold's that was the first time I put it on my back period yeah you know like it was like I look PR on the platform right and it felt high to me but then you look at the film and it was still like a couple inches low right because you're just so used to it that yeah finally do try to take that cheat in your eyes you're still you're still ahead of the game it just makes it so much easier the way that I warm up is exactly the same like I don't I don't look at I don't look at, you know, numbers or whatever. It's like, I know, okay, I warm up for squat, red, red, yellow, red, yellow, red, red, boom. That, that's it, every single time. I know how many times to do. I know what it feels to breathe. Like, um, I think that consistency takes so much, so much cloudiness from your mind that you can just focus on what you have to do. Yeah. And I think that's why people, they use the hype and they use all this other outside stuff because they're trying to compensate for things that they're not already doing. Yeah. Which comes to like one thing that like one of my best football coaches ever said is like if you can do something and make it look like you're perfectly calm and like it's easy, like you've just done it before, that's when you know that you've mastered it. There's yeah. no hiding behind hype, there's no hiding behind energy. It's just like just do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, working backwards a little bit here. So how did you get your start into competitive powerliftings? Like what propelled you into that realm of fitness? 
Yeah, so funny enough, um, <clears throat> so at, after graduating college, I actually graduated a semester early um, because I wanted to spend my spring semester training for the regional NFL Combine. Um, and, you know, had, you know, had a good day, um, you know, put up some, like, good numbers. Uh, came close to getting a trial with the Kansas City Chiefs, and then just things fell through, things happened, right? It's just, it's just a tough thing to do, but it's a childhood dream, so I was like, I'm taking my shot. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting into, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, time to start a career, right? Um, I, I was already working at the um, CVS that was, like, a couple miles down from my college as, like, their store manager in training was like, you know, become a store manager, be a district manager, whatever. I found out like a month in, I was like, this is trash. I don't want to do this. Um, and then eventually I transitioned over to financial services where I work now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been there for the past like few years. Um, and I had already kind of gotten out of the mindset of like training and all this other stuff. Like I've been out of football for a couple months now, like things didn't go my way. I was kind of like, not depressed, but I was just like sad that like oh, I didn't make it to my childhood dream. You know, now I'm you know in the office like you know, you know every day nine to five Joe Schmo type of thing. Um, and you know like I think uh, what actually ended up happening was I was renting a room in Yonkers at the time, Yonkers, New York, because I just graduated. This 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 all happened within the span of like six months to me graduating college, and the lady that I was renting the room from was actually getting her home um, evicted out of the home. And she didn't tell me until three weeks prior to her getting kicked out. So because she was getting kicked out, obviously I was renting from her, so I couldn't stay, but I had no clue. So I had to find a place to live within three weeks. I was flying out to Dallas for a conference for like a, a financial like summit that I was doing. So really I only had two weeks and like it was bad. Like I was depressed. Like I think, I think like not too long before that, like I like me and my girl, we broke up. Like things were just not going bad. Like not going good, right? Like two weeks to find a whole place to put down payment, rent, all that stuff. And like it was just hard to find places. Um, eventually, like everything came to fruition. I was able to find a good spot, like right next to my office. So it was like perfect. And. Um, I was able to move and I was moving everything by myself because all my family's in a different state. And I just remember it was raining and I was just like, yo, I just don't like, I just don't like how I feel. You know, it's like work is going all right, but like physically I don't feel good mentally. Like I just feel like I'm in a rut. And I just decided, I was like, yo, I need to get back into, you know, being like having that mindset I had when I was in college. Cause like when I was in college and the even before that, like, when you play a collegiate sport, I don't know what it is, but you just don't feel human. Like, you know you're human, but you just don't feel like you're the same as everybody else, right? Um, and so I was like, okay, like, I was always strong in college. Like, I would always look at the offensive, defensive linemen. So I'm like, okay, let me go back to the gym and, like, get in a routine, make me feel good. I want to be like those other financial advisors that got the big bellies that, you know, sitting on the chair and they can hold a cup of coffee on it. Um, <laughs> that's where I met my, uh, my coach, uh, Kevin Lee. Um, at Mindful Intensity, so, you know, I'll shout him out because that's my boy. Um, and, yeah, I remember walking down. I was like, hey, I, I, want, I want a trainer. I want somebody to train me. I just want to, you know, lift weights and be strong. He's like, okay, like, what can you do? Right? So I told him, like, okay, you know, in college, we did box squats in college. Um, you know, in college, I box squatted, like, 650. Um, you know, I benched, like, 
425, 430. And, I, and we did do bed, we did hand cleans. I could get hand clean like 275. He's like, he's like, yeah, right, whatever. You know what I'm like, he just thinks like I'm like the typical meathead that just talks up there and, you know, their shit. And like, you know, because, you know, it happens. I believe it. You know, like people say they can do 315 on the bench and then all of a sudden they get pressed by 225. Um, and so I remember he like put me to the test. So he's like, okay, warm up, you know, do something. It was like, like squat, he's doing squats, you know, 135, 225, 315, 405, you know, 500. Then he I, I remember the moment that he happened. He looked over to one of the other trainers in the corner. Um, he was just like, this kid's for real. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, ever since then, like, him and my friend Eric Berger, they just, like, kept on telling him, he's like, yo, you should try powerlifting. Like, you'd be good, you'd be good. Like, yo, these guys have been doing it for years. Like, I'm, like, I just lift for fun. Like, you know, they're definitely squatting, like, 800 pounds, doing whatever. Eventually, you know, they convinced me to do a powerlifting meet, and I, funny enough, it was my worst meet ever. I still won. I think I literally went, I literally went four for nine. <laughs> it, I was still a junior. I was like 22, 23. I was still a junior, and it was a local meet, and it was USAPA, USPA meet. Mm-hmm. I, I hit, I, no, I went five for nine. I hit my opener on deadlift. I, met, I, I, I hit my opener for squat. The second one, I missed my third. My bench, I got my first one. I missed the second one because of, like, some weird thing. Like, I slipped. And then I jumped from, like, 375 to 430 on bench because I just wanted to go and take a shot at the world record <laughs> <laughs> for the juniors. And, like, I almost laughed it out, like, but I missed it. And then, like, deadlift, I freaking, like, hit my opener. I missed my second because of, like, something stupid again. And then I was like, I don't care. I'm still going to go up another 40 pounds. Went up another 40 pounds and then, like, missed it for another technical thing. Like, it was the worst meet ever. But just because it was a local meet and nobody else was there, any 18, 21-year-old kid squatting 500 pounds was going to win just off rip. For sure. Um, and, you know, that's what kind of got it started. Like, I, you, know, I, you know, I had a couple of friends of mine that were in the same weight class, and we butted heads, and I liked the competition. And I was just like, you want to know what? Like, let's go. I Like, let's keep on doing this. Let's see how far we can go. And then did USPA Nationals. And then, you know, everybody was saying, hey, like, all the competitions in USAPL, like, nobody's going to look at you, this and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I mean, if all the best people were there, then I'm going to go find them, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of how, that's all she wrote. Um, not too long after that. I ended up working with Joey because um, I was like, hey, if I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously, I want to actually do real program. You know, um, before I was literally, I literally did small squat program um, as my as my meat prep. I, I benched once a week and then I deadlifted maybe one or two times a month because I hated deadlifting. Mm-hmm. Our, my goal was just like, we're going to make your squat so strong that your legs are going to be strong enough to deadlift whatever you want. You just have to hold on to the bar. That was like, that was the, like, that was the program. <laughs> so I, I literally deadlifted like once or twice a month. I hated it. I hated it. I still hate it. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's kind of what got me into it. I saw a couple of strong guys. I was like, I got to catch up to you. And, uh, you know, that's all she wrote. I mean, from there. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing when we talk about like athletes who trans or collegiate athletes who trans transition into powerlifting is just, uh, the differences. So I got to ask you, what's more intense? Game day for college football or game day for like raw nets? 
or not even close? Like, it's not even close. Game not day even. for college football is so, so much. So, where did you play then? Um, so, I played at a small D2 school, right? I played at Pace University. Like, we um, um, like we played, you know, other schools like New Haven, um, uh, Southern Connecticut. So, like, it wasn't, like, I, I didn't, um, it wasn't even like I was playing, like, Alabama or anything like that, right? Um, but, like, even, let, let me put it this way. Preparing for the NFL Combine was more intense. Well, no, definitely. Like, That's the, it, the, not, not even the Combine itself, just preparing for it. Yeah. Like the preparation, the training itself, let alone an actual game day. Because there's so many more variables, right? Like yeah. you're looking at raw nats. At the end of the day, like for me, the way I still see it, it's like I lifted five times a week to get ready for a football game. Yeah. So if you're telling me that me lifting a weight nine times in one day is the actual event, it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy. Like it's what I did in order to prepare for my actual sport. And then you also, you know, like you also have different variables. It's like when you're on the platform, you're by yourself. When you're in a football field, you're trying to drown out the crowd because you're trying to hear the cadence. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what the other guy is going to be doing. Like, you have to read coverages. You have to be able to, to think on a dime. Like, you don't get control whether it rains or snows or sleep or hail. You don't get control certain things. Like, there's so many things that are so far out of your control, and you have to be so attentive to. And in the grand scheme of things, the guy across, you know, the guy on the other side of the, the spline is finished from you. Like, they're trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like they don't care about you. Like they, they, they want you dead. They want you broken. They want to be like it, it's it's like they, they want your manhood, you know? Yeah. So that's why like when you know, I, I remember being in the back room at Raw Nationals and like you have a lot of people because I was in the general crowd, so you have a lot of people, oh like the lights and all of this and oh like the judges are, are screwing me and all this other stuff and it's like, Oh, like this is so intense, like it's so loud I couldn't hear the thing and I'm just like, This is I'm like, this is weak. <laughs> like, this is easy. You know, it's just like another stroll in the park. So I, I think it's nowhere close um, uh, to a college football game at any level. Like, I, I've been at the D2 level. Like, I've seen, you know, the D1 and one AA levels personally, too. Um, you know, I had a couple looks from, like, some bigger D1 schools. Um, it just didn't pan out from, like, a scholarship standpoint. And it, it's just nowhere close. Um, and I, I think also when you try to compete at that higher level, when you talk about training for, like, the combine, you talk about efficiency. Mm-hmm. Like, the difference between, like, your foot being one centimeter to the left and the right could be the difference between you running, you know, a 4-3-40 and a 4-4-5-40, right? It, it, it just comes down to those little keys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what makes, like, that whole situation so much more intense than you know, doing like a powerlifting competition, which is still competition, but it's, it's not as intense, not even close. Yeah, I, I, I love getting those conversations with people because it's, it is, I think the, the transition is easier for a lot of athletes. And for me, I was always, I, I never was at a high level in any sport that I played, but I always played sports. I loved sports growing up. And mm. man, I, for high school football, we played in a, you know, pretty, it was a pretty big like high school football school. Um, and it, it was like your identity, like, and you knew if you fucked up, you were going to get bullied for like a week by not even your teammates, but like by the town of like, if you sucked and then like the nerves going to like my first, and I wasn't like great. I'm like, just don't help the team. Don't fuck up the nerves just in that thing. Just like help the team do your job. Don't fuck up and everything will be fine. 
that is like the most nerves I've ever felt in my life. And then when I got to a powerlifting competition, it was just fun. I didn't have that worry. And a lot of it because it was an individual sport. Like, I didn't have to worry about, like, you know, my coach is getting upset or me letting down a guy who's working their ass off next to me. And then I miss an assignment that I'm like, well, I just lost the game. Sorry for, you know, ruining the game of your life. Powerlifting's like, okay, if I miss a squat, it's actually not that bad. All I'm really disappointing is myself, and that's it. So, yeah, yeah like the – and then just you can kind of always tell who has that competitive edge in powerlifting is former athletes and, or just people who do powerlifting for the sake of powerlifting. And top of 74, Taylor Atwood, I believe played in the CFL, damn good football player. Russ Orhe, yeah. Division One football player, like – there's no it's, it's not an accident. These dudes are high level athletes, and they've experienced high level competition before. Yeah, well, what uh, I, you might have mentioned it. What position did you play? So my main position was running back, okay. um, but I also did a, a little bit of slot receiver. And then for one season, actually, because we had a lot of quarterback troubles, I was actually the uh, the quarterback for half the season. So we did a lot of wildcat. Nice. Um, so it was fun. It was fun. I got to. You know, got to live a childhood dream because I definitely don't meet the height, height requirements to play quarterback. So that was fun. But uh, no, I, I, play, I play running back. It was fun. And, you know, I behind the line, do my thing, just keep it pushing. So you were always typically the same size, like uh, within like 180 to like a 200 pound range? Or... Yeah, so I mean, my whole college career, like I had to eat to hold weight on. Like, so like my, my junior, senior year, like I was like 200, 205. But, like, I was, like, if I didn't eat dinner that night, I went from 200 to 190. <laughs> like, it was, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I couldn't hold weight for anything. So, I mean, like, I, I, I was always lean. Um, I was always relatively strong. Like, again, like, I was lifting with the offensive linemen and defensive linemen just because from a strength standpoint. Um, so, you know, transitioning to powerlifting was pretty easy. Um, I obviously wasn't eating to, like, stuff my face anymore. So, like, I... Like, my weight stays around, like, that 185, 190 range, depending on what I'm doing. You know, quarantine made it a little bit heavier because we were just sitting around doing nothing. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the whole weight thing is not a big thing. But, you know, the average male sits around, you know, 180, 190. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting, like, how that would – because the transition would have been relatively easy, like, not – not doing a whole big weight cut and then probably getting down to your regular body weight was, would probably have just been uh, that much easier. I was, so, because I asked because I was defensive lineman in high school and I was not that much bigger. So I was, uh, so I was, um, yeah, like 175 pounds. And then after, after high school, I, you know, did the whole bodybuilding thing. So I got up to like, had to really get myself over 185 pounds, but. Yeah, just like constant. And then once I started powerlifting, I got down to 175 again. It was like I lost 10 pounds like immediately after that. So uh, for the right now, we're obviously under lockdown, shelter in place, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Quarantine. How how have you been coping with it? Have you been able to get your training in? And uh, like, how's is there anything you've been doing like just in relation to the whole pandemic? Yeah, I mean, um. You know, from a training standpoint, I was I was fortunate enough to have the means to be able to put together like a little like home type gym for myself. Um, I don't have a garage um, in my apartment, 
I do have a big driveway. Mm-hmm. So actually what I did was I, um, I rented a pod storage unit, dropped it in the backyard, and just filled it with gym equipment. And so I've been lifting out of that um, uh, for the past couple months. So I've been able to you know, get the training in. Um, it's not as it's not the same as being in the gym, right? It's, it's nowhere close to the same, but it's uh, it's definitely close enough to like, make sure that I can you know still stay and make some type of progress. Um, and I mean, really, it's just been lifting, eating, um, and I've been fortunate. I'm fortunate that like I can work remotely. Um, so like from job standpoint, uh, I haven't been you know furloughed or anything like that. Like, I can work remotely. I work with people all over the country. Um, and I actually took this time to um, actually get a few more certifications and licenses to do like just more things within the financial services field. So hey, I've, I've taken it for a lot of self growth time. Like, hey, I have the time. Um, I'm not seeing as many people just because you know we're quarantined, you can't go out. Um, so you know, just finding different creative ways to market business, um, train when I can, and uh, you know, just build my my knowledge. So just trying to stay as active as possible. And, because I, I lose my mind staying in this spot. Mm-hmm. I'm still losing it. Yeah, I, and I noticed something. You were uh, you did some like charitable work over the quarantine as well, correct? With uh, yeah, yeah. Do you do you want to describe that? Because I thought that was awesome. Like when I saw it, you know, on so many different, you know, getting a repost. I'm like, this is really fun. This is really cool. Yeah. So, um, so what I do, like, I work in the financial services industries as an advisor, and you know, my team, we work with a bunch of different people from different fields, but I personally specialize in working with nurses and like nurse practitioners and like healthcare professionals. Um, just because like I had a big accident when I was little and like they really saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'll get on that rant a different time. Um, and so, you know, I saw that a lot of my clients were, you know, some of them, they couldn't, they couldn't see their family and, and you know, because they might give them COVID, right? So they haven't hugged their kids in a month. Um, they were getting sick. There wasn't enough, you know, protective gear for them. You know, some of them weren't eating enough because they're so stressed. Um, so I was fortunate enough after the Arnold's that um, a local uh, milk prep company um, uh, actually sponsored me, hashtag uh, Mecca Cafe. So, I'll, you know, shout them out. Um, and, you know, we made a deal that we would try to raise money and that money would go towards the cost of food. And so they would provide food for the hospital that had discounted rate. Um, and so, you know, really it was just to try to give something, it, obviously it's not, you know, enough to feed everyone, but it's got to give something back to those who are literally risking their lives to help get this whole situation done. And, you know, I, I just thought it was like a good thing to do, you know, it, it lit up some of their faces and, you know, I got a lot of, you know, thank yous from some of the nurses that I knew that were, you know, got the food from local hospitals, but, you know, just give them like good, you know, clean food that they can actually use and utilize, um, you know, during these, you know, crazy times, so. That was really the, the purpose behind that. Just a little, like, thank you, if you will, to, you know, to Yeah, that's a really awesome way to make use of your free time. It's just to, you know, it's so like a quick thinking sort of thing. And it, and from what I saw, just based on your Instagram, because I obviously, you know, can't fully see it, but what I saw, I'm like, this is extremely effective. And uh, I think, yeah, in, in an unaired episode of Two White Lies, we actually brought it up, like, but unfortunately, that episode didn't get aired. Where we're trying to like, it's like, uh, it's like we saw a repost that like when that happened. Um, so yeah. yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was again just great to see and congratulations on just doing that. That's just uh, a good public service that you did. Yeah, it's good. 
So transitioning back to the powerlifting realm, uh, this is a this is a question that I like to ask a lot of lifters, especially recently. What is one thing you would change about powerlifting? And this is the most broad question I'm going to ask uh, because it could go, you know, from a rule to just the environment to the culture, anything of that nature. So, what, what was one thing Delaney would change about powerlifting? Um, so I. I think going back to like my competitive nature, um, I guess there's kind of two things, but one at the same time, I'll just say both. Um, one from like an overall like lifting standpoint, I almost feel like people like in the powerlifting community, like shy away from like competition. Like at least, at least like where I'm like, it's like somebody will eye you up a little bit and like in the back of the head or like they might be competitive. Everybody's like, oh yeah, you're competing against yourself. Like don't worry. Like because they want to be coddled. Yeah. You know, they don't feel like they're second to somebody. Like so like I, I personally, is, although like I do, it's not like I post a lot or I do whatever. Like I, I like I like static. I like conflict. I like, you know, people going head to head. So like I wish that there was a little bit more like, like head to head static and people calling each other out and like having a little bit more of that in your face kind of uh feel to it mm-hmm. um and then i think also just from like a competitive standpoint from like an athlete standpoint I, this is the first time that overall generally looking at athletes i just see so many people making so many different excuses for why they didn't do what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. and, and um you know, just coming from, like, again, that football background, from a collegiate sport background, it's like nobody cares about your problems. You just got to execute, you know. So, like, you'll be in the back room. It's like, oh, well, the the back room was so crowded. Oh, like, I'm used to lifting on ropes and these are illegals. Oh, the bench pad is not fat enough. Like, it, 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 it ticks me off. I'm just, like, I'm, like, perform. I'm just, like, perform. Like, I remember, like, my buddy. My buddy Zach, I love him to death, right? Um, before I went off on my bench, he was just like, yo, be, be careful, be careful. The floor is slippery. I'm just like, all right. <laughs> like, I'm going to figure out when I get out there. Like, it don't matter. Like, <laughs> just, just just produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think from, like, a from a competitive standpoint, I do wish that there was a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, like, static and conflict and people weren't so afraid to, like, weren't afraid to lose and weren't afraid to win and weren't afraid to, like, have that friendly competition. Um, and then also just from like a lifting standpoint, like generally from the lifters that I see overall, like everybody just has so many excuses and, you know, if you're going to call yourself an athlete, like being, be an athlete through and through, you know, um, and just like, don't back down from what it is that you got to do. Um, you know, not everybody's out here to try to rob you. Not every, like there's not some, you know, back end scheme that's still whatever. Um, so I think overall the mentality from like the athletic standpoint, I think like I wish I could change a little bit about powerlifting, and then also I guess the um, like the being politically correct mm-hmm. <laughs> type of powerlifting. Like I, I wish you know we could. It, it's still a sport. It's a competition at the end of the day. You know, it's like we're not like yeah, it's cool. Okay, I got five pound PR on my total from last time, but yeah, I lost to fifty feet, right? Yeah. So. I'm not, I'm like competing against yourself, like go to the gym and, you know, max out on your own. But if you're going to step into a competition, like let's get it rocking, like let's go head to head, like people talking smack. Like I would love to see somebody be like, hey, yo, Delaney, I'm going to see you at XYZ 
and like we're gonna get it rocking. I'm like, okay, like even if I wasn't gonna pull up, now I'm pulling up. Like you know, like I, I would want to see something like that. Like I would want to see somebody like, like one of my boys from the gym. Like I was, I was did this to one of my boys at the gym because we had like a little competition going. Like I was waiting for him to go to a competition to register for a competition, and I was just gonna register and show up. <laughs> And not say anything, just register and show up. Like, I, I want to see static like that. Yeah. I, that would make the sport itself more exciting. Um, and, like, it, there's, there's, there's stories to watch within the yeah. story. Like, there's rivalries that, like, you can really see, um, which would make it, I think, a little bit more in-depth and a little bit more exciting. Yeah. I I mean, if we could knock out, you know, uh, we, we could solve two of your problems. One we can start a fake beef between you and I and just constantly shit-talk each other. And one that'll give you clout because it's worked for every other 74kg lifter out there. <laughs> and two, it'll start that whole, uh, you know, that fucking that shit-talk and the, the static between lifters because I, I have said this on many podcasts before. Now, for me, I think when people attempt to trash-talk and suck at it, I just, like, don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not participating in this because you're bad at it. Like, I, I, and I just, it makes me cringe when people are bad. Because shit talking is an art. Trash yeah. talking is an art. You got to be good at it. Because if you're bad at it, it's just like, you're making an ass out of yourself. It doesn't even matter how good you are. If you're bad at shit talking, people are just going to ignore you. And I think that happens a little bit in powerlifting where they force the issue. And I'm like, it's got to come from the heart. It's got to, it's got to, you really got to mean the shit that you're saying. It's got to be down in there. But I do agree with you. The, the competition aspect I said it on podca- um, podcast prior, this is one of the only sports I see where you're like kind of forced and you're kind of looked down upon if you don't quote unquote cheer on your competition. Now, and I always say there's a difference between that. Now, if, you know, if, if someone I know and a friend of mine is lifting and they're doing well, of course, you know, I want to see them do well. I want to see them progress. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to hold a grudge against them. I want to see them fail. But, you know, if say if you're playing LeBron, you kind of want him to miss a few shots, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, because, of course, I would love to beat Russ on his best day. I would love that. That would be such a great – but, you know, if I'm playing if – if, if I have the assignment of guarding LeBron one day, hopefully he misses a few shots. Maybe he shoots 30%. Hold, hold him to 18. Hold him to 18. That'll be good. It'll be easier for me. That'll be like, it'll, it'll help make my job easier to actually win. And I think powerlifting is the same way where, and I, and I was taught that at, like when I started competing, it wasn't in USAPL immediately. It was like APF meets where the whole thing is, you know, cheer on your competition, cheer them on. And then as I got more competitive, I'm like, you know, I really don't want them to beat me. I really don't want other people to beat me because I am. I compete for a reason, and I compete to win. That's the whole reason why I'm here, is to compete. It's called competitive powerlifting. If it wasn't called competitive powerlifting, I would be in the gym and I could do the sport still. Because, hell, we only compete, what, four or five times a year? If that, probably too much to yeah, compete yeah. four or five times a year, two or three times? Yeah. 99.9% of the sport is set in the gym. So we could just lift, have fun in the gym and never compete or just only do local meets. The reason why you do nationals is to test yourself against the best in the world. And if you're trying to, or at least best in the nation, even though in certain regards, best in the world when you are at USAPL Raw Nationals. And if you're there, climb the rankings. Climb the rankings. Like, I agree I agree with you 100% there. And I've 
preach it so many times about, you know, power. I would like to see powerlifters get a little bit more actually competitive. I just think it's a hard sport to shit talk in. And I, and I have had situations like that because I'm in group chats and stuff, and I do, if someone calls me out, I get fucking right into it. Like, I will, I'll pull up all your fucking meets. I'll, I, and, you know, someone might be listening right now who knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'll pull up all your fucking meets and show all the little red dots and all the little red marks and all the misses that you had and why you can't do this. I'm like, man, you can't hit a third deadlift. What the fuck's that about? Like, it's like, is that, is that a thing? You can't hit a third deadlift? So I'm like, man, you only made a 5kg progress jump? Only put 5kg on your total last meet? Like, I'll get really into it, but I just can't, like, do it. You know, I gotta be called out first. Yeah. No, I mean, so... A couple of points that you touched on that I mean, people being bad at trash talking and bad. like powerlifting, you can trash talk, right? Um, you know, and I got a, I got into a little something with uh, like in my first meet um, with somebody. It was like it was cool. It was a friendly, you know, you just trash talking, doing whatever. It, but again, I think it also comes down to the fact that um, a lot of people, for a lot of people, and this is where it comes from, like the like coming from an athletic background or not. Mm-hmm. Many people that are doing the sport now. Are coming from that non-athletic background, and this is the first time they've ever been in something where they really are competing for sure. Yeah, and that's where, and, and that's where, like you know, the complaints and all the other stuff comes from. But I think that also comes from, like, that also stems to the, the like trash talking and like being up against somebody and like getting feelings hurt and not all that stuff. So I just don't think that they've been in that environment mm-hmm. enough. Like a majority of the powerlifters that I see didn't come from an athletic background. Yeah. Like, I just started powerlifting because I saw X do it and I saw this guy do it and I thought I could be strong or because like I got picked on in the third grade and now I just want to be stronger and now I'm 18 and now I'm a little bit more buff like for like different reasons Um, and I think it's and it's funny because I think it's also a lot of times for a lot of people that I've spoken to and that I just watched because I'm very observant it's it's almost it's almost used as a facade to hide something else that's internally coming down. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I can look at somebody and I can say you're trash talking because you don't because you don't believe. Mm-hmm. You, like you're trying to talk to me about what you're gonna do because you don't believe that you're actually gonna do it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's also where it comes down to like who's good at trash talking, who's not, because I think a lot of times people just don't actually believe the stuff that they're trying to do. Um, some people just doing it for clout. So like. You know, they'll, they'll try to call out somebody that maybe, like, there's really no beef or, like, they'll just try to go out of their way. And it just comes off insincere because mm-hmm. it's not sincere because they're just trying to, you know, gain some type of pride or something from it. So I, 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 I think it, it is funny, right? There's not a lot of people that do trash talk in this sport. And, you know, I, I just think it's, one, because I think it's, like, frowned upon. Yeah. From a lot of people, like, they don't, like, oh, yeah, you're cheating compares on, like, you know, like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, it's cool. I want you to have your best day, but if it comes down to me hitting my nine and you hitting your nine, I want you to go eight and I want to take nine. Like, yeah. and that's, that's fine. I'm still going to dab you up at the midday. Yeah. And, if, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then, it, yeah, I, I think that really just comes down to I think it really comes down to the mindset. It comes down to the demographic of people who are actually in the competitive space as it is right now, which I think is starting to change. Yeah. Yeah, like, I would love, I would love, I would love somebody to call me out because I would go like, man, <laughs> like, like, I, like, I'm the king of like small shot. Like, I would be the person that I would tag them in every video that I post. Like, every single workout video, I would tag, them. I would tag them in every last one. 
I would make a video going into the to the meet. Like I, I, I would go with them. I wear I wear their their face on my single. <laughs> yeah, and but it's like, and it's one of those things where I don't think a whole lot of lifters will go out of the way to trash talk. But I will say the difference is once they started becoming more competitive and get into the higher levels, that's when more the trash talk happened. Or not even that; it's more, you know, there's a bit of attention. You know what yeah. I mean? You know that there's a little bit of tension there. You know, I was so the, all right. So two examples: I did uh, APF nationals. My second meet, I think. Yeah, second full power meet, APF Nationals. I was not familiar with powerlifting. I was in the the uh, the lineup for weigh-ins and check-ins, and I felt the tension there because I'm like, oh, this is not a local meet. These guys are more serious. So I put on, you know, like, all right, like, this is it. And I, I had that feeling, like that kind of that amped up feeling. And after that, you know, I had a good meet. That went away. After that feeling. But then Raw Nationals, when we're all in the lines for the weigh-ins, I kind of felt that tension again. Where I'm like, okay, this is this is different. These guys are serious. You felt it there? Yeah, I felt it a little, like, in the weigh-in. Because I, I could tell, you know, it was my first, my second time was same-day weigh-ins. It's my second USAPL meet was Raw Nationals. And I felt it. I'm like, these guys are serious. Like, this is, this is a competitive environment that we're in right now. Um, you know, not animosity towards anyone else but it's like okay this is an actual this is an actual competition now we are all trying to fight for a higher ranking where the other meets i did aside from and the reason why because i was just naive i i I had no ideas i was head and shoulders above the competition at apf nationals i had no idea because i thought i was like man i'm i'm fucking lost here like i'm i'm i'll be lucky i i my my whole thing was like oh man i wish i just podium that would be, and I could have podium going three for nine because that's the competition <laughs> in at AAPF Nationals isn't very high. So uh, yeah, I went best overall lifter by a lot that day, and that's when I was like, oh, okay, this isn't. I know I'm not the best lifter in America, so it kind of was a realization like, oh, all right, there's levels to this shit. But raw nationals, like these are all high level competitors, and then once we do prime time, it's going to be that same thing because you know that this was the top ten guys. They are competing yeah. against, and a lot. Aside from you, um, and fuck, I, there's no guarantee I even get prime time, so this might be wishful thinking. But aside from you, Candido, you know, maybe Carson, I never competed against any of those people in prime time. Mm. This would be my first time competing against Jamar, Russ, Sean, guys who, when I started in USAPL, they were top dogs. So there's yeah. going to be a little bit of tension there, and yeah. if trash talking happens, that'll be one pretty cool i mean i can imagine me and sean trash talk because we're friends but uh he he he, we we kind of throw jabs at each other like as far as uh you know me being a deadlift hero and really the only shit i could talk is like you can't deadlift as much as me but um but uh i mean that's really the only thing i can say to most people but once you get higher up in a sport that's when the competition becomes more serious so um people back off from trash talk a lot though i feel like it's about to happen and then I start getting into it, and they're like, "LOL, just joking, man. You're an awesome lifter." I'm like, "All right, <laughs> like, goddamn." Because they're, the they're, they're not about this. Like that's go back to what I'm saying. Like they don't believe what's coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Like that's why. Like when they don't back, when they start backing down, it's because deep in their soul, they know that they're not going to compete with your 750 demo. Like you know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, 
but like going back to like one of your things, I I think the first time that I ever felt animosity in a powerlifting meet, and it was solely my fault. It was a hundred percent. I brought it upon myself. It was my second meet ever. I did USPA USPA nationals, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like still still a junior. And this was around like this was around the time where like Black Panther came out. So like T'Challa and Killmonger and that whole thing was like super cool. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have some fun. I got this Black Panther single <laughs> and then wore like this all black dashiki to the meet. <laughs> so I pulled up, right? So I'm I'm just like some kid, I'm just playing around, whatever, with my boys in the gates to the to the meet at the Las Vegas, like, whatever casino it was. And as soon as I walk in, like, I'm in, like, my thing, this and the other thing, everybody, all the competitors in the room just went like this. <laughs> and just grilled me. I, nobody said a word to me until I got to, like, my second-to-last warm-up, and they were like, oh, this kid's actually kind of strong. Yeah. And, like, and, like, he's just having fun, so it's yeah. cool. They, they were not rocking with me at all. <laughs> yeah. like just, just because, like, they were just like, who is this guy? Like, you know, so yeah. I just think that for whatever reason, it's just such a sport that you're not allowed to trash talk in or else you're considered whatever. And, like, the people that do trash talk is because they're compensating for something else and they don't really believe this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I have seen examples that before. I probably would have been one of the lifters looking like, this fucking guy, like, really? Like, cause we, uh, well, and one guy came up to a meet recently, I think USPA and like, like a war paint, like he put war paint. And, and here's the thing though, you have to be confident and good if you're going to do that shit. Like you have to be good. You have to be so sure of yourself to do that. And in your case, you were, but this guy, this, and the guy that I'm talking, I don't know his name. He is a beast lifter, but he what bombed out on Avenger. What's up? Alright, I seen him on IG, 104th Avenger, he was dressed up like, he had like the Joker white face mask Yeah, yeah I, I know. And he, and he bombed. So that's like, and I know he's a beast, but like if you bomb and you wear face paint on, like, that is the worst look ever. Like, literally you're dressed up like a clown while you <laughs> did it. Like it's... Yeah, if you're going to do it, you can't miss. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really, I mean, that's difficult. But yeah, I mean, it happens that like... Because, I mean, cause, I mean Instagram's, like, our kind of, like, thing. Like, powerlifters. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't play every week, like, football. We don't play every day, like, baseball. So, we don't have constant interaction with each other. So, our only interaction is on Instagram. And whenever that does, like, kind of pop off for me, it gets squashed so quickly that, because I, I, if, if you're going to post something smart-ass on my page or something, like, Trash Talk, I, you have to know by now I'm going to be a dick right back. Like, hard to. <laughs> And then, like, you get the mob, like, yo, what, what are you doing, man? All he's doing asking, like, today, for example. Today, somebody commented on a picture of mine. It's like, what's the weight on the bar, though? Because it was my bench. I'm like, Google it. He's like, oh, I Googled it. It showed up as 230 kg. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like, I could definitely buy 230 kg. And then the guy's like, uh, oh, good luck on your 800-pound deadlift. Uh, farewell. And then, like, everyone else was like, dude, he was just, he was, he was complimenting you. I'm like, no, fucking, I'm being a smartass. Like, no, don't, if, you, if you're on my page, you got to expect this from now. I'm like, he was being a smartass back to me. That's the thing we're doing. Then he backed out and made me look like an asshole. <laughs> like, it's, and also, because I want to bring up this point, the excuses part. That excuse thing, which, 
a lot of high-level lifters do do this, and it drives me insane because, especially in the USAPL, um, I know some were complaining about unbalanced platforms at Raw Nationals and whatever. If you were a competitor, and this happens at every competition I've been, and I've only been coaching, I've been getting work under a coach for one year now. So this is new to me. But it's, we have to make adjustments that day. We know what's wrong, and you make adjustments accordingly. Like someone said, the platform's slippery. So a platform's slippery. Let's try to let's try to dry up your shoes a little bit. Let's let's try to work away. Find your way on the platform that's not as slippery. If it's an unbalanced platform, I guarantee you at a USAPL meet, it's not going to be the worst goddamn platform ever assembled. It's going to be one of the best you're ever going to get on in your life. Find a part on the platform that doesn't roll. You have a minute. You're good. That's a game day adjustment. Feel, feeler, first squat. You squat your first squat like you do your third, right? You get called for depth. Get lower. Game day adjustments. Like, that's all you got to do. And the excuse that I'm like, there, there's no, there's, there's no, unless it's obscenely bad judging, which probably won't happen in USAPL meet, then really you just, everything is in your control. Literally everything's in your control. You can really work every, like, even if the bar is slippery, even though it totally won't be because it's a brand new Ohio power bar they're always going to be using. Even if the bar is slippery, get some hand sanitizer, put it on your hands, and dry the shit out of your hands. Guarantee you, you hold on to that bar. It's, you got to make those adjustments. Like, the excuses go out the window. Yeah, the, the excuses kill me, man. Um, it, it, it really does. Like, I, I just look at people like they're crazy. I mean, like, even myself, it's like, I told you I rented out that pod storage unit. Like, my driveway's on the hill. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm squatting like this, where, like, I'm getting it done. Yeah. And, like, it, you know, you go to a meet, you know, it's it's the lights, it's this, it's the platform, it's the bar, it's, you know, it's, it's all this other stuff. And, you know, I think that goes, again, goes back to what I was saying, like, when you asked, like, what's more intense, like, preparing for a football game or being in a football game or Raw Nationals or the Arnolds. Mm -hmm. Again, there's there's not many variables that you have to deal with when you're yeah. lifting weights. Pick it up. Yeah. Pick it up, put it down. Push it, squat. Like, it, it, it's very simple. You've done it a thousand times over throughout training. Now it just comes down to, can you execute? Did you cut, right? If you cut, are you strong enough? And can you put it all together? I mean, can you not burn out? Yeah. And, uh, you know... It, Excuses kill me. Excuses kill me. I just don't listen to it. I can't. I lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, I... And... I guess I haven't heard too much of it recently. I guess like, I surround myself with people who just don't give too many excuses. But that's... I mean, that's... And I actually... I might be wrong about that. Yeah, there are for certain times, like... People who I train with, you know? Yeah, that's... That's where I experience it the most, actually. It's probably not in competition. It's people I train with. It's... You know... One after the other on the excuses, um, one one being squat depth, and it's and it's like you got to be honest with them. It's like, man, I was like, you know, I bombed, but the the judging that day was rough, so I had to adjust my squats accordingly. Then I'm like, well, that was bad judgment on your part. Take your first squat again. You went up in your squat. I mean, considering you failed your second and third, you probably should have just took your first. You would have won one for three at least. Like that's so many different adjustments you have to make. It's like you ma like you made a bad call. You made a bad. That's a part of the game. 
is making calls. That's a part of your strategy. It's it all. It's not sometimes not just about lifting weights. You got to play the game smart, and yeah. you know if you're not sure of yourself on second, third, take your opener again. May go two for three. Not going to go three for three. May go two for three. So yeah, yeah it's that's an interesting. All right, so we are going to play a two white lights favorite word association. So I give a word. You give the first word that comes to mind. It gets it's easy in the beginning, but towards the end it gets a little more complex. So. Start oh, off really God. easy. Squat. Russ. Bench. John. Deadlift. Angela. You gave the exact same answers that Russ did, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like that was that was that was the first thing that Russ said. I was like, it's funny where you can see that. Like the like a lot of people would say for like, like squat. Like people that compete against. Yeah, you know? but like <laughs> the the funny thing is like when I say squat, people are like depth. And all that stuff. We're like, heavy. Bench. Sucks. Deadlift. Awesome. But then, like, when you start listening those competitors out, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But I'm honored to be the first person you thought about uh, with deadlift. Sure, for sure. Uh, I, yeah, uh, a record right there, so I mean. <laughs> un- unofficial world record. It's unofficial, so it doesn't count. <laughs> Put the asterisk next to it, it'd be all right. <laughs> I've done that anyway. All right. USAPL. Top competitors. Yeah, that's uh, that's a common one that we get for USAPL when we play this. Um, the and again, I've been doing this PSA since I got into USAPL. Guys, if you are serious about competing, go in the USAPL. Do it. You're you're not going to get drug free competition anywhere else, or that good a drug free competition. How about USPA? Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Why is that? I just feel like everything's way more lax. Like, I, like my, my singlet would have never gotten approved with, from USP, USAPL, that Black Panther one. What, um, was there an issue with your singlet at Raw Nets? Yes. Yeah, I, I brought up that story on uh, Two White Lights before because I thought it was just so bogus. Yeah, so, I, I, mind you, like, I knew I was wrong, but I was like, I'm going to see if they go on passing. Like, so I gave them this, like, white singlet that I had that looked like a body-armored, like, spacesuit. Mm-hmm. Passed it, and then after it was, I could see if it was like my first attempt on squat. It was my second attempt on bench. Yeah, that they pulled me aside and they were like, "What kind of singlet this is? Is this?" And I was like, "I don't know." And like, you can't wear it. And I was just like, "Why?" And they're like, "It's not approved." I was like, "If I don't know what it is, you definitely don't know what it is, which means you don't know if it's not approved." And it got passed. And then Joey comes up behind me. He's like, so do you have a problem? <laughs> so it was funny. Like, we, we stopped, like, our flight for, like, two minutes fighting with the Giants. Yeah, because I, 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 was, I, was, I was right by my friend uh, Charlie, Charlie Alta. And we both uh, – he's a very good 83 uh, kg competitor. So we're sitting there just, like, kind of watching everything unfold. And then we're like, we're on fucking bench right now. What the hell are they doing this for now on bench? That was like our exact like thoughts. Like, are they really gonna come back there and say the singlet's not approved when he just hit three squats? Like, That's what I'm saying. you could see the whole thing, and then I was I was rolling my eyes the entire time. Like, god damn! Like, and especially because all of us had to get our equipment checked in beforehand. Yeah. That. So like that. Sh- like, hey guys, we're doing equipment checks beforehand, so we're good. Like, we don't. That's that's where you call someone out. Like you gotta get a new singlet. You got I don't know two hours or a day 
depending on when you do your equipment checks, to get one. Um, yeah. at, the, at, the way, at the equipment check, they told me to wash my singlet. And I was like, don't, no, don't tell me what to, because I'm like, one, you're not smelling my singlet, you're smelling my knee sleeves. That's not my singlet. My singlet has been worn once. Like, it's not, it's not smelly. I'm like, you're smelling my knee sleeves right now. I'm like, don't, well, you're going to not let me compete because they smell bad? What the hell is wrong with you guys? <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, nice. USBA, though. I guess you could say Wild Wild West. Uh, I, I, I like that. I mean, really, I thought Wild Wild West because of the drug use, but. I mean, like, I think it's everything in general, right? So, like, I, I use the singer just because we talked about it, like, not too long ago. But, yeah, I mean, you get the drug use. Um, you know, you have, like, the bendy bar versus, like, the stiff bar. Um, I, I just feel like things are more lax. Like, you don't have to wear a shirt for deadlifts. Like, I, like. Yeah. I, I just think that there's a, there's a lot more leeway. And it's, it's more fun in the USPA. Yeah. And it's more like, I'm here because I want to be the best in USAPO. And I want it to be certified, put a stamp on it, drug free. Like you can't say nothing, you know. Um, so I, I, I just, I just, that's kind of how I think. Also, like when I was my most reckless when I did the USPA. Like I didn't use, like I didn't use any performance enhancing drugs or anything like that. But like I was just, like I wasn't training, you know, efficiently. I was mm-hmm. just doing random stuff I saw online and just maxing out and trying to break records. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I associated with it because like I was very not. <laughs> No, I was not a technician of my craft. Yeah, I could I could see that too, and it was uh, because my uh, my former co-host used to call it like the no no fun league. He used to use the acronym for the NFL to the USAPL, where it's like the no fun league. And I'm like, really, the USPA does actually do a lot of stuff like that as far as sponsorship goes, and like not allowing certain things to approve. Yeah, U- USAPL does have a more professional, strict, rigid rules to it. So I, I will say that. Okay, football. Ravens. Ravens? Ravens fan? Yeah, Lamar Jackson, baby. So is that your favorite player on the Ravens, all time? I mean, not all time. i say all time, I would have to go with, uh, I would have to go with Ed Reed. Yes! All right. Ed Reed, I'm a Bears fan, but Ed Reed is, I was about to do a countdown on three, who's your favorite player. Ed Reed is my all-time favorite player. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's a, he's just a monster. Man. He's just a monster. Yeah, I uh, I I keep on making the argument that he is the best football player of all time. When I think of football, and you think of all encompassing things of football, I think Ed Reed obviously does defense well. He could hit a fucking running back, a wide receiver going over the middle. He could lay them out. If that receiver drops the ball, he could take it back for a touchdown. If if you want to line up a receiver, probably could do that too. One of the better kick returners of all time. Who does every aspect of football better than Ed Reed? Yeah, yeah, he's dangerous. He's dangerous all the time. I don't know. It's it's hard to compare people. Yeah, with different um uh, different uh positions. Um, but no, he's definitely uh, he definitely I would choose him first as my safety every time across history. He's he's one of a kind. Yeah, because I keep on I, – I remember just getting into a debate with my friends about them. They're like, fucking Ed Reed? You put Ed Reed number one as your best football player of all time? Like, dude, our quarterbacks can throw a ball consistently. That's all they're doing. Like, Ed Reed does fucking everything. And for all those listeners who uh, don't know Ed Reed, one, you should. And two, watch his highlights on YouTube. They're the best. Yeah. Do it. I think for me, it's, uh, I remember the last – 
Super Bowl that the Ravens played in and won, um, he almost took what was the tight end for the um, Davis? Oh yeah. Um, he almost took Davis out the first play, and that, that's a big boy. Like that yeah. was a, like he's six 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 two fifty, and Edry came down and almost knocked him out the game. Like the, it was like the first drive. Yeah. I mean, he does it all. Like it, punt return, kick return. He can come down and smack you. He'll he'll, he'll take a he'll take an interception back for a touchdown. So he, he's definitely one of the most electrifying players um, that I've seen on defense. Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was happy you said that because uh, I I assumed if you're a Ravens fan, like you got like probably three favorite players, and Ed Reed has probably got to be on that list. Um, yeah, you you can't you can't do anything without Ed Reed and Ray Lewis on there. Yeah, I want to know another argument I always used to get into was uh, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. When I'm like, the best player on that defense has been Ed Reed since he joined the Ravens. Like, Ed Reed was the best player on that defense as a rookie until he, until he went to the Texans. I yeah. was always on that bandwagon. Because I, I, uh, I liked the U back in 2000. Uh, yeah. that, that U team was, that was, it was one of the first, I was like the first year I started watching football, especially collegiate mm-hmm. football. So I watched yeah. the U team, and one loved their uniforms. Their fucking uniforms were great. And then I saw Ed Reed play for the first time. Like that guy is awesome. So, also, all right, last one. Future. Don't need to give me a word for it, but you could even riff on it. What does a future hold for Delaney Wallace in powerlifting? Uh, number one. That's for sure. Don't know when, but number one. Yeah, and uh, man, I'll. I'm excited to hopefully get that chance to make sure that doesn't happen, but because we're we're like the same age, so we're gonna be we'll be here for a while. Yeah, we're gonna be just pretty much getting used to each other. From because I don't think I'll be ever at 93. I'm too fucking small, so <laughs> I think I'll be in 83 until I'm done in this goddamn sport until I age out. So um, yeah, it'll be exciting to keep it going and. Uh, it's good to see now that people are starting to become aware of that you definitely have an opportunity. Your chances of being in top 83 are stronger than most. So that's a, that's a realistic goal, especially in the next, you know, five to five to seven years in the sport. I mean, even sooner than that, I would say 2021, there's going to be some changes in either the top three and 83s or yeah, top three and top five. There's going to be a lot of changes in there. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of shifts. Yeah. Especially with the quarantine and everything, you're going to see a lot of shifts. Yeah, so absolutely. Crazy. Yep, so again, Delaney Wallace, thank you for coming on the show. Um, hopefully we can have you on again sometime, maybe close to Nationals. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. No Appreciate problem. Uh, stay safe and get your training in, man. We'll do. We'll Keep do. killing nice. it. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Charles Bon Voyage, yeah, from the home of the Dodgers, Brooklyn.